What up, everybody? Ryan Rucco, CC Sabathia here. A brand new episode of R2C2 about to come your way. We chat with Renee Montgomery, Atlanta Dream Guard in the WNBA, a two-time champion in the W, a national champion at UConn, a woman who put her career on hold a season ago to dedicate her time to social justice. She is fascinating, entertaining. You're going to love hearing from her. Now, I do have to give one disclaimer. Something happened with CeCe's audio. We don't know exactly what. We were joking with Renee Montgomery about how we almost forgot to use the proper recorder last time. First couple of minutes, had to take the audio off Zoom. <laughs> this time, we have it rolling. Yes, we're rolling. Well, a wire got loose or something got crossed. Now, the good news is we have the backup audio on Zoom. But in case you're wondering why my microphone, and even in this case, Renee's microphone, sounds so pristine, but C's sounds, you know, just a little bit COVID pandemic-y. It's because we had to take it off of the Zoom. We hope you will forgive us. We promise the content is still delightful. It starts right now. What's up, everybody? We back. Another week. Another R2C2. It's good, bro. Where'd we go, man? That's what I want to know. You're always telling me we're back. Where'd we go, see? Man, we, we leave for a couple couple days and we come back every Thursday morning for these people. Okay, all right. Got you. That's right. New episodes every Thursday here with R2C2. We're going to talk. Sometimes, with... sometimes we give them twice a week. You know, it That's... has to be every Thursday. <laughs> That's true. That's true. We do have some bonus episodes. We do. Uh, it's a big sports week. A lot going on. We have um, an outstanding guest today who our audience is going to love. Yes, yes. R Renee Montgomery, who uh, is WNBA point guard, two-time WNBA champion with the Minnesota Lynx, uh, was a national champion at UConn, uh, sat out this past WNBA season um, to focus solely on social justice and activism, uh, and now is a part of the Atlanta Hawks broadcast. She's fascinating. And see... Um, you know, we're going to get to Sling and Heat in a moment and some other things before we get to Renee. But we should just let the audience know that this week or this month, Black History Month, mm -hmm. uh, we are going to have on exclusively black women as our guests this month. Yes, because black women rock. Black women do rock. And so it, we, uh, we're going to do that for all of February. Uh, we're going to have some amazing guests. Um, and it kicks off with Renee. And, and I, I think we're both... I, we're both pumped about this, man. And and yeah. uh, Renee's a good one to kick it off, too. She's, she's a great one to kick it off. She's funny. She's got a great personality. And I think like our, our fans will can relate to her very well. So I think uh, this is a great way for us to kick off our Black History Month. Um, obviously, I was raised by a powerful Black woman. Um, have nothing but Black women you know, in, in and around my life. So um, it, it's, it'll be great to pay a tribute to them and, and just let their voices be heard during this month. Amen. So we will get to Renee Montgomery in just a bit. Uh, but see, we start every show with Sling and Heat, where you share with us three hot takes or three things on your mind in the sports world. What is your first Sling and Heat today? My first Sling and Heat is, well, I mean, I guess it's just a broad, you know, thing, but it's, it's my reaction to Stafford getting traded, to Stafford and Goff getting traded. Um, you know, I think 
you know, this is the first move of a bunch of quarterback moves. This whole offseason is going to be crazy. But I think the I think the Rams upgraded tremendously, bro, especially in that division. Um, you know, obviously the, the Niners are really good. The Cardinals with Kyler Murray is really good. We know what Russ is up, up, you know, up in Seattle. So, you know, them getting Stafford, a guy that can make every throw, um, you know, he's, he's a vet. He's, you know, he's a proven guy. Just been playing in Detroit, you know, fucking unfortunately the last 12 <laughs> years. But I think you get him down in Southern California, bro. He's going to open up that offense with McVay and they're going to be really powerful. They're going to be, they're going to be fun to watch. And you don't think they gave up too much? I don't think they gave up too much because this is their window to win because it's their little window. You know what I'm saying? Like Aaron Donald, Ramsey, you know, all the guys that they have on that defense. This is their little, this is their little space because to win. So, um, no, it's not giving up too much if you win with these guys. Yeah, I, I agree with you. It's interesting. I had a conversation with Steve Kerr last week when I was doing the Warriors game for ESPN, and he said this to us about Andrew Wiggins fitting in with them, uh, but he, he uses this a lot, and I could probably have the exact phrase in my boards right over here somewhere, but he basically says there are, you know, maybe 10 to 15 players, right, that no matter where you put them, uh, they are going to do what they do. He has a mm-hmm. phrase for, for that kind of player, right? But no matter where you put them, they, it, they're not situational at all. They just like you plop Kevin Durant somewhere, boom, he's going to do what he does. You plop LeBron James somewhere, boom, Steph Curry, boom. Everybody else in the league is relying upon circumstances, mm-hmm. you know. And and there's obviously a lot of great players in in that category. And I think the same thing when I'm thinking about influencing, you know, uh, wins and losses and how we look at a player in regard to Matt Stafford. Matt Stafford is not the dude who you put him anywhere and he's going to make you a Super Bowl contender, right? He's not Tom Brady. He's not he he's not Russell Wilson. He's not Peyton Manning, right? He to me he's not that. But he But is, do we know that though? I mean, we only don't know that because he's been playing in Detroit. I mean, yeah, but I think if he, you put you, he made you, he made him to the he took him to the playoffs three times with fucking Detroit, guys. Like I, I, that's I, damn near winning the Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong. So we but, don't know if he's a winner but, or not, guys. No, but we really don't. But my point, my point exactly. I agree with you on that. But my point is, he's not one of those dudes you could put him anywhere and he's gonna be a champion, right? Like, or he's gonna be. Uh, but he is a dude who I think, in the right situation, all of a sudden can be a difference maker for getting you over the top. And I think that's the way the Rams, like, I think he benefits the Rams and helps them get over the top. And I think the Rams benefit him because I think it's going to be a much better situation for Matt Stafford. And all of a sudden you're going to look at him and you're going to say, oh, I knew he was talented. I knew he was good. I didn't know he was a winner. And yes, he is because now he's in the right situation to win. All right. So let me ask you this. There's another quarterback out there that wants to be traded that's rumored you know, maybe to get traded this offseason, Deshaun Watson. Is he one of those guys that you can just plop in anywhere and you instantly become a winner or, or your, your team becomes a Super Bowl contender? Uh, it's interesting because he's obviously coming off. I mean, his season this year was historically good. Um, and uh, he went four and 12, you know, uh, but that wasn't his fault. I agree. 
But I do look at him as, yes, I look at him as more of a franchise changer for sure. And I think he, I think he probably takes most teams and instantly makes them, you know, if, if you put him on the Jets, I think the Jets will be fighting for the playoffs next year, you know, and, yes. and, and you put him on the Raiders, we're going to the Super Bowl, baby. A hundred percent. Is that one of the teams that's in the mix? That's one of the teams that's in the mix, guys. One hundred percent. He's that yeah. good. Man, I was listening to Greeny the other day, Mike Greenberg, on his radio show. He, he had this ridiculous stat. I forget what it is, but it's like whatever Deshaun did this year with like the 4,500 yards, 70% completion, and maybe like 30-plus touchdowns or whatever – he was like one of three other one of three quarterbacks to ever do it or something. And the other two won the Super Bowl in that season. <laughs> yeah. and, and their like combined records were like in the games they started was like, I, I don't know, it was like 33 and two or something like that in those seasons. <laughs> and and this dude's team was four and twelve, which just Bro, shows you how and, bad and he, the Texans he were. He did it when they traded the best receiver in the game fucking two weeks before the season started. Exactly. DeAndre Hopkins was in fucking Arizona, bro. So, I mean, you put this guy anywhere, and I think he's he's going to be really good. Now, I got one more quarterback question for you. Okay. If, if Patrick Mahomes can pull this off on Sunday and they beat Brady and the Bucks, is is Mahomes a Hall of Famer if he if he if he never plays again again after Sunday? Oof, man. I mean, he'd have the slugging percentage of a Hall of Famer. I don't know if he'd have the on-base percentage, you know? Like, you still need... it's He's still so early in his career. What is that, he, fourth, fourth year in? But yeah. these, these last three years, nobody's oh. ever, came close to doing what he's done. Look, he's the best football player I've ever seen, man. Like, I mean, he, he, he he's that... he He's that dynamic. I think he probably... You know what? At the end of the day, he probably is. You know? Yeah, yeah. He, he he probably is. For me, it's like that... Kind of like that Sandy Koufax factor where, like, he was so good in such a short amount of time. Like, it's yeah. so historic that it yeah. don't matter how long he plays. Yeah. Like, these last three or four years have been just crazy off the charts that it don't even matter what he does after this that he's already in. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of like Sandy Koufax kind of the same way. Kershaw yeah. was the same way, too. Kershaw yeah. was... First seven years, I already had like three or four Cy Youngs. Where you would have been like, hey, he's in he's, he's in the in. Hall of Fame no matter what. Kershaw yeah. was in the Hall of Fame fucking six, seven years ago. Yeah, you yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I do, I do. I think that's fair. The interesting thing is if Brady, so this kind of just takes us into our second sling of heat about the Super Bowl, right? Like, because if Brady wins, then Mahomes may never have the chance to beat Brady. Oh no, he'll he never have that chance again. No, this is yeah. his chance to like, yeah, this is his chance to, to, to solidify himself as the GOAT because Or at least have that option down the road, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And like 10 years from now, if he keeps it up, you could be like, well, should he beat Brady too? Yeah, you know exactly. Whereas, like, whereas let's say he goes on and wins six Super Bowls, right? But, but he, he lost this, this one. one. Yeah. People are always going to say, like, yeah, but, you know, he lost to the guy who's and the guy he lost, he's competing with. And he lost to Brady on the Bucks, not even the Patriots Brady. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah. Like, like, Brady went down to Tampa and took this team to the Super Bowl and beat you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, so, yeah, he, he kind of has the witness to to put himself in that in that category down the, down the line for sure. 
I'm telling you, it's that protein powder, man. It's so good. <laughs> it's so good. The vanilla pea protein. Can we get, hey, Spotify, can we get TB12 <laughs> as a sponsor? Yeah, I was thinking. TB12 probably gonna make us pay for that shit, guys. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That well, you know what? I, I was thinking that, like, you, you know, last week when, when we mentioned, I was thinking, you know, Hey, maybe something's going to show up at my door now, you know? <laughs> I guess I just don't got it like that. <laughs> maybe you should hit Leonard, because I seen he was on Leonard's Instagram the other day, so maybe, yeah. maybe or that, he might be able to send you something. I think I'm going to have to ask him. Now, see, with our Super Bowl picks, um, the way it is, I have a 13-11 lead on you, okay, um, as of the Super Bowl. We are going to make the Super Bowl worth two points and the total score worth another two points. So we could, if you win uh, the Super Bowl and I lose it, I could win the total score and still beat you. Or, you know, this is just a way to reward the great work I've done leading up to the Super Bowl. That's what, it, that's what it's about. But we didn't, we have to do two things here. One, we didn't want to have you say your pick and then me mine because I could just box you in and just basically guarantee that I'm not going to lose. We didn't want to do it that way. So we have texted our picks to producer Bobby Wagner, and he will read them on the air to us, uh, knowing that I'm not reacting to your pick. Um, but we also have to reveal what the stakes are. So we got a lot of people who, uh, who tweeted at us like some really great things. I am going to I'm I'm going to tell you what what I thought was the best you tell me if you agree okay um there's cuz I want to give proper credit to these uh to these tweeters these avid R2C2 fans um okay now this is the one I thought that I we could do it for both of us but I thought it would be fun for me to do to you if I if I win okay David Lefkin says the winner gets to pick a show or movie that the other has to watch. All right? So if I win, right, I would pick a show or movie that you have to watch. All right? You like that one? So like, yeah. I, I, now my idea would be it could be a whole season. So like, if, if I win, I, I could make you have to watch a season of One Tree Hill and have to report on it on the pod. <laughs> Do you like that? Yeah, I ain't mad at that. Okay, all right. All right. So now here's my question to you. Do you want those to be my stakes as well, where you make me watch a show? Or or here was another option. I just got to find who it was from. Um, yeah, here we go. It's from Hank Epton. He says, if I lose, I should have to face you in an at-bat. That you should have to pitch to me in an at-bat. My arms broke. No, we're going to do the TV one. <laughs> all right. All right. Sounds the good. The TV one's better. So, so either way, you mean, because now I, it'd be like me facing 75. It's not the same. Yeah, as, yeah. It's not the same shit. It's I'm not the same as an now. Yeah, it's not the same as an 88-mile-an-hour cutter. No. Okay. Uh, all right. So you, if I lose... You pick a show I got to watch a full season of or a movie and I have to report back on. And if, if, if you lose, I pick a show you have to watch or a full season of or a movie and you have to report back. On. You know what my movie I'm going to have you watch is, right? Coming to America? Life. Life. I know, you ain't, I know yeah. you ain't fucking seen it. 
I've seen parts of it. I've seen parts of it. See, there you go. <laughs> but you know what? I, the, I figured that might be coming and it would satisfy the group chat. So, all right. Those are the stakes. I will report on it then. But now Bobby Wagner has to tell us what the picks, what the picks are. are. Yeah. All right, Bobby. You got your fancy microphone out. Producer Bobby Wagner making his on-air debut here for the pod, but he does fantastic things behind the scenes and is sadly a diehard Met fan. All right. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, all right. I got the picks here. We got Ruko going. Bucks 31. Chiefs 30 for a total Damn. of 61 points. And then CC chose Chiefs 38, Bucks 31. So Bucks getting the same points from both of you, but CC thinks that Chiefs are going to outscore them for wow. a total of 69 oh. points. So it's going to okay. be entertaining. It's going to be close here. That is. So this is good. So that means we're against each other. So yeah. if, if the Bucks win, I win the bet. But if the Chiefs win, then we go to total score. Correct, Bobby? Yes. That's the way we're going to do this, right? Exactly. Correct. Okay. And so then what do we get with the total score? Is it just going to be who's ever closest? closest. Yeah. Okay. We All didn't right. establish the prices right rules ahead of time. So it's just got to <laughs> be who's ever the closest. Uh, all right. I'm good. I- I'm good. Okay. All right. Here we go. So I got the Bucks. C as the Chiefs. And uh, C having to endure a season of One Tree Hill is on the line. Me having to report back on life is on the line for, for this. You feel, conf- you feel confident with your Chiefs, C? No, I don't. I think Brady's going to win, but wow. I, mean, I do. Um, I just, this is hard for me to ever, you know, see, you know, I've obviously seen Brady lose that much, guys. So it's just hard for me to imagine him, you know, not winning in the Super Bowl, but we'll, uh, we'll see. All right. So we have the Super Bowl bet set. We have the pick set. It'll be some drama. If your team CeCe, you'll be rooting for the Chiefs. If your team Ruko, you'll be rooting for the Bucks. But you know what? It's just crazy that the Super Bowl is going to be sick, though. This is going to be yeah. like one of the all-time epic Super Bowls because so much star power and talent and, like, the quarterbacks are dope. Like, it's just a dope matchup. Um, the, the, the coaches are awesome. Like, it's just going to be fun to, fun to watch, man. It's going to be a lot of fun. By the way, did you see the uh, – I, I just got to read for the audience the, the Adam Schefter barber story because it's just incredible. Yeah. We're, we're taping this on Wednesday afternoon. Shefty tweeted out, there were over 20 Chiefs players and staffers, including quarterback Patrick Mahomes, scheduled Sunday to get a haircut – with the barber who tested positive for COVID, per oh, sources, God. the Chiefs acted wisely and aggressively and pulled the barber mid-cut once his test results came in. That's what like, they said. If we if we <laughs> see Mahomes with a fresh cut, we know that motherfucker got COVID, dog. Oh my gosh! Can you imagine that? Oh my gosh! Like seriously, whoever got a fresh cut, we know got got cut by that barber that's got COVID. Oh man, I like. Siri, you know what's like, like it's funny because I wonder, like, first of all, wouldn't you just wait for the results before you start letting them cut the hair? Like, let me get the results before the barber starts, like, cutting you know the hair on Super Bowl though, week. Because you know, you know, he's been cutting hair all, all uh, season there, though. Yeah, so they've been yeah. operating like that all season. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, so it wasn't like a new barber. This guy's been doing that all year. So it's just like, oh, let me take the test. I come in and like start cutting. And then they tell me I'm negative and we keep going. Well, that time they told me it was positive. So whoever's in the chair is like, holy Uh, shit. Yeah. I'm not playing in the Super Bowl this week. Right. But my thing would be like, you are cutting 
you're cutting everybody like on you're cutting the special teamers and the backups here until we uh, get your results. Could you imagine though? Like, listen, like we I mean, as an athlete, you work so hard your whole life to be able to play in the NBA finals or the Super Bowl or the World Series. And to be able to and, and to have it you not play because of COVID, like or, or something happens where you get a haircut by a guy or some shit happens, or like you get you know, you're around somebody that's expo- like, man, bro, like I don't even know if I could. If if that if that happens to me as an athlete, you, you can't you don't recover from that. Like you can't play because of, like you got sick from a virus. Like oh man, in the brutal. biggest game of your life, that's got to be that had to be that would have to be brutal. Oh brutal! How about not even if you got sick, but because of like contact tracing kept you out. I mean kept that would be out. yeah that would oh, be fuck man that be would crazy. be awful man. All right, what you got for your third slinging heat? See, my third slinging heat is. Man, our Brooklyn Nets got to play some defense, guys. Hey, they played some against the Clippers last night in a they big did. win, man. They, they yeah. looked really good against the Clippers, but that, that was after the game they lost and they, they scored 140 points, guys. Like, <laughs> you can't lose a game when you score 140 points. This shit doesn't make no sense. Well, I, I, I can tell you exactly what I think is happening with that. First of all, their, their roster obviously is not built with defensive personnel, right? Um, but what it I think was. is... It, it was, but what I think is, <laughs> what I think, yeah, Jared Allen gone, Spencer Dimmer, yeah, yeah, Levert. But what I think is happening is, I think that, like, because if you look, they've been amazing against the best teams in the league. They this really year. have. They yeah, have. They, yeah, they've been by far best record in the NBA against the top teams, and their defense in those games has been better. And I think that they get in those games against like Charlotte, Cleveland. Memphis, Charlotte, yeah. Cleveland, Washington. And I think that they think like, yeah, we, we could just outscore them tonight and we're going to win. And they don't engage the same way. And they don't have the defensive talent to to not concentrate and exert well, on that the, end. The, the thing is, is that that they got to know that those three rolling into any arena, the other team's going to come out and play as hard as they can, right? Yes, so yes. So they have to play defense every fucking night because they can score with their eyes closed. We know that they can they can play offense. But you you gotta you gotta assume that the other team's gonna come out and try to put up big numbers on you because they know that you guys can score. Yeah. So if you concentrate on the defensive end every night, it's just gonna make it that much that much easier offensively, and for you guys to start blowing out some of these weaker teams, you just gotta concentrate on the defensive part. I feel like that's what the Warriors did so well when they were on their run is yeah. that they would lock teams down because yeah. people talk about the offense and how quick they score and all that shit. But their defense was incredible during those years. Amazing. Amazing. And it's interesting. Even KD was asked last night after the game, he was like, do you guys feel like you just need to be solid defensively because of how good you are offensively, or and or do you need to be great? And it was in reference to the teams he's been on that were great defensively. He's like, no, we need to be great if we want to you know, ultimately get where we want to go. I mean, last night, I really thought they locked down nicely against the Clippers. And they did. They rebounded well, too, the, last yeah. night. They did. They did I think a good job of rebounding. Plus five on the glass. They, yeah, look at you. You know your squad, see? You know yeah, your guys, squad. I watch the games, guys. Yeah, yeah, you know your squad. <laughs> I will say, I, I've also been amazed that after those first couple games, they figured out how to get the most out of Kyrie, KD, and Harden at the same time offensively. Mm-hmm. Like, they, they kind of have figured out how to all be aggressive and make it work, you know? I mean, that has impressed me because I thought even, that might even, take longer. Even last night, Kyrie was on fire. And he yeah. has probably scored, like, I think, like, six or eight points in a row. Maybe seven seven points in a row at one point early in the fourth quarter. 
and he gets the ball coming down and he passes it immediately to Harden. You know yep. what I'm saying? Like, and just ran down into the corner. So yep. like, it's not even a, a situation where if a guy's hot, he still needs to, needs to shoot or wants the ball. Like they understand how good they are defensive. I mean, offensively where he can just take a possession off, even though he's like lighting it up and let these other two go crazy. You know what I'm saying? Like, they're off it. They they figured it out in a way where their offense is going to be. It's going to be hard to fucking stop. They just need to. They need to lock down defensively, guys. Right. Like they're going to get good shots basically every time they don't turn the ball over. Their biggest mm-hmm. issue on offense is careless turnovers. Mm-hmm. You know that that that's it. But but otherwise, because think about it, Kyrie Irving, James Harden, and Kevin Durant cannot be guarded one on one by any anybody. human. No. Anybody. No. no. So no. if if you want to stop them, you got to send help. Well, okay, now you're gonna have Joe Harris wide open, or or Kevin Durant, or James Harden, or Kyrie. You know what I mean? Or or you know Jeff Green, who's shooting the three at forty five. He is lighting you know? it up yeah. right now. Huh? Yeah, yeah, he's been great. Lighting that was a cl- yeah. clutch signing, man. So I think you get a big right if you can get Drummond on a buyout or McGee or or Horford, whoever it ends up being. They need that. I like Shumper bringing him in as like a defensive wing off the bench because, my goodness, Landry Shamit has struggled this season. Oof. He struggled. He, a he bit. has struggled, He's man. Struggling. I I I feel bad. Like I honestly feel bad for him because I, I feel like it's got to be, it's got to be in his head at this point because this guy's a good shooter and he's just. I mean, it's like, whew, it's 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 tough. But Bryce I, Butler stepped up and been good, though. Yeah, man. I I Or Bruce Brown, you mean? Bruce, Bruce Brown, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know what's funny? Bryce Butler, the receiver for the Cowboys. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, what I'm thinking about. Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> totally random. He's the brother of Brenton Butler, who played at Fordham, and I was good friends with. Really? Totally. Yeah. Random. I don't know why I said that. I was going to go with it, and then I was like, no, that's not. No, what that's talking about. not. That's that's not what I was talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was like, no, nah, I'm gonna I'm gonna check this because I think I think I know what this is. Nah, but oh, but, but seriously though, the Nets man, like just just watching them and, and watching those Warrior teams that you know I was watching closely. Yeah, back then, it's just a, it's just a defensive end, man. It's that's it. Yeah, because they offensively need- they got it figured out, and, and and you know that they're like you said, there's nobody that can guard any of them. Like. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, like a couple of times, uh, I felt bad for Batum, uh, Nicholas Batum. Oh yeah, yeah. He played great D on KD, like uh, a couple of times. But like, what are you gonna do, motherfucker? Seven foot, and you can shoot yeah. the ball when you step into the gym. Like, yeah, it doesn't matter. It does yeah, not I, matter what you do, cause so no. they gonna get their shots off. They just gotta they, the, the defensive part. I agree. I agree. And we saw the commitment against the Clippers. We'll see if they get consistent with it against some of the other teams. Uh, in the league, I'll actually and be you know, calling. You, you know what's crazy? Uh, I don't think the back to backs help. Like, I, you yeah. know, they've been playing a lot of back to backs against the same team. Yeah. That shit don't help either, because, you know yeah. what I'm saying? You're right. You're right. It can kind of fatigue you mentally. I don't or, like yeah. that. No, yeah. Like, yeah. like, man, I don't like that. I have I have the game Friday night against Toronto on yes, and then Saturday night against uh, Philly on yes, which. Okay, so two yeah. really good games where they should. They're going to have to step up defensively. Exactly. You're not going to win those games if you don't play good D. Van um, uh, right. Fleet went for 46 oh, the other night, guys. He's unbelievable. Crazy. He's, he's a great story, too. Com- he comes, is. G-League comes from guy, a tough right? area, undrafted. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, really, really awesome story. Uh, all right. See, before we get to Renee Montgomery, our guest today, um, as we kick off Black History Month on R2C2 with our first of all black women, as our guest this month, um, 
we we do just have to say, you know, because of timing and when we were recording, we didn't get a chance to react to the loss of Hank Aaron. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we just wanted to be able to take a moment. Uh, obviously, I mean, see, this is this is one of the game's all-time titans uh, and and someone who, who just meant a lot to, uh, obviously, the sport, but to America. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, man, the, the, the day he passed away, I was getting, like, a lot of requests to do, um, you know, interviews and different things and, you know, talk about him and, you know, talk about what he meant, you know, as, a, as an African-American player. But I was just so hurt, man. Like, Hank Aaron was like a king. You know what I mean? Like, he was just so regal and, like, he was like royalty mm. to us, to me, to the baseball community that, like, almost in the way where Jay Williams, you know, remember when we went and sat down with him and how he was feeling about Kobe mm-hmm. and just didn't feel like I didn't want to be on there telling stories and, like, just kind of capitalizing and, and talking about something where it, it was just a really, really, it was a really, really sad day for me. Mm. And so I didn't feel like I needed to go on and be, you know, expressing my feelings or anything like that. It was just, one of those things where I wanted to sit back and just try to appreciate his life and, and what he did and where he came from and the things he had to endure, um, you know, trying to break the home run record, being a Negro League player. Um, I mean, it's just it's just an incredible story. And he did it with grace and class and just to hear the stories about how he ran the Braves organization, the minor league organization, the people that he hired. And I mean, it's just a, I mean, the, the, it's just an incredible man. And and. You know, this is a sad day for the, for the sports community and in the baseball world. You know, the day that he passed away, and, and uh, but like you said, we didn't get a chance to to talk about it or give him his due. And you know, it felt it was it was you know we had to do that on 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 the show. I I think see, weren't we at one point we were on the brink of even getting him on the pod a couple months ago? Mm-hmm. I think right. Uh, yeah. It just you know it, it you you realize to soak up every moment every story you can from legends heroes these people who are true treasures mm-hmm. and hank aaron was that in every sense of the word uh for you know for baseball for sports but for our country what he endured went through you know what he represented like you said see the class with which he you know did everything he did this man was a giant, and he will be uh, he will be sorely, sorely missed for sure. And we just want to make sure we spend a little time on Hank Aaron after not getting the opportunity to do so last week. Um, with that being said, uh, we get a chance now to chat with a young woman who has won two WNBA titles, has won a national title with UConn, is incredibly active when it comes to social justice. Uh, when it comes to her community, is a part of the Atlanta Hawks broadcast, has her own podcast called Remotely Renee, um, and is just an incredibly smart, enthusiastic, enjoyable listen. I really, you guys are just, see, they're going to love listening to Renee, aren't they? Yeah, for sure. She's funny. Like, her laugh will make you laugh. So <laughs> I, I think uh, people will be excited to, to, to listen to this pod. So without further ado, here is Atlanta Dream Guard, Renee Montgomery on R2C2. All 
I just started laughing when I when I heard you say the Hawks game. I just thought about that court side Karen. Court side Karen. I was there, live and in living color. Oh, I was there. Well, this is oh, the you was there. Yeah, good. This is good, Renee. Just so you know, we just dive in. We put the fancy intro with all your credentials on yeah, it that's at the up. end. That's cool. So we Same. just dive in and get to it. All right. <laughs> okay, so let's you, get so, it. So you were there for courtside, Karen. <laughs> I was there for courtside, Karen. I was sitting at the Hawks desk, but you know, there's not many people in the gym. I actually saw the stat sheet, and there was like 1,341 people there. So imagine that in the big State Farm Arena. It was pretty quiet, like if you could imagine. <laughs> what do you think? Like, do you? When you are normally, uh, let's say you're playing a, you know, well, if you're at UConn, you're playing a, a, a road game at, yeah. you know, wherever. Like, let's let's pick a ri- rival school. Although I don't think you guys were done playing Tennessee when no, you were there, Tennessee. right? Oh, you no, did play we, them? Yeah, you play them once. Yeah, your... we played them my first year, maybe my second year too. So I think I'm okay. like literally a straddler, like half okay. and half. Okay, got you. Yeah, because like then you guys went, you know, yeah. a long time from like 07 <laughs> till last year. But okay, mm-hmm. like if you're playing at Tennessee in college, or let's say, you know, you're playing like, although you were part of the Lynx teams, but let's say it was like at Minnesota <laughs> yeah. as, a, as a road player in the W, and you have a court, you have someone sitting courtside, like talking smack. If it's not, if it's not an empty arena, if it's not a COVID arena, are you hearing things clearly? I am not. I'm one of those people that like I tune it all out. Like I don't I don't care. Even if you're saying something good, I probably missed it. And then like my bad. But like, yeah, I'm one of those people that like it's just the 94 feet in me. Like if my co- and it's crazy because I can hear the coaches, I can hear my teammates, but I would not hear any courtside Karen's. I, I wouldn't hear it. You know what's crazy is that I always heard everything. Like you really well, I guess warming up. Like if I was warming okay. up in the bullpen before the game, I heard everything and like everything would piss me off. But I guess, like, <laughs> as I got into the game, yeah, when you're in the game more so, you don't really hear anything. But you like, don't hear that. Before the game or, like, walking out or warming up, like, I would oh, always, yeah. have rabbit ears for sure. Oh, no, I heard it now before the game, especially, like, because usually through the, through the tunnel, people are, like, handing down autograph items and stuff. So you hear that when it's, like, calm. But I'm talking about in the thick of things, nah, I don't, I don't hear it. <laughs> what about wait see what was the worst place warming up that you would hear like Boston oh I guess that makes sense oh yeah, yeah. 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 And, they, and they were right behind you like oh. the bullpen in Boston the fans literally like you could, they could grab you if they wanted to Oh, so man. I was I was just always waiting for somebody to touch me so I could turn around and like jump in the Lose stands. it. <laughs> <laughs> you were ready to fight, man. You were always ready to fight. Re- Renee, try what is Jesus. it? <laughs> Please don't try me. <laughs> Amen. What is um what is it like right now yeah. when atmosphere-wise of the Hawks games? Because here in New York, uh-huh. you know, I'm doing a lot of Brooklyn Nets games. They're the one place that I'm going to do games, but there's no fans. Yeah. You know, There's, can yeah. can you feel any kind of atmosphere with the 1,100, 1,300 fans? Honestly, no. Like, it just and, – and I'm, like, different areas are sectioned off. So the section I'm in, fans can't even, like, come to that area. And it's just so different. There's not a lot of energy. So there's no such thing as home court, like, right now. But I'm going to tell you what – Two chains been sitting down there every game. He's been collecting jerseys like every night. So after this pandemic season, he won it. Like he won the season because I saw Kevin Durant get his jersey. I'll sign it. I think yep. uh, Kyrie Harden. signed it. Trey yeah. Harden. Trey, <laughs> Trey Young gave him the MLK jersey when we had it. So yeah, I'm gonna say two chains is winning. Yeah, he is winning. Everybody, is. <laughs> I, I'm jealous too because I'm like what? I can't go to no game, but he's sitting courtside like. I'm watching every night. on TV and he, he had every game, bro. That's dope. 
He probably going to yeah. get Luca tonight. Like, I mean, it's <laughs> That's right. Yeah, seriously. You know what? I could see, see why you're feeling the pain because, well, I don't know if you know this, Renee, but see, um, well, he changes his his affiliations when it comes to the teams he roots oh, for yeah. every once in a I'm while. Gonna run. It, it, Whoever's and, good is who I'm rolling with. And okay. he's a diehard Brooklyn fan now. So he would, <laughs> he, he would be sitting courtside at Barclays watching the big three every night if, if there wasn't a pandemic oh, right now. Oh, man. I like that, that he admits that he's like, you know, he's very aware that he's a front runner. So listen, if you say it, I, I, I'm feeling it. I'm oh, yeah. like devoted to Atlanta at this point. So for better or for worse, here we are. Like, so I'm, I'm with it. But see, I'm a huge Raiders fan, so I can only root for one loser in my life. Like, by the time the football <laughs> season's done, like, I need, like, some uplift and I need to feel good. So I go into the winter and I pick whoever's the, got the best roster in the NBA is literally who <laughs> I buy. Who you going with? That's oh, who I'm going For the most part, that's been a KD train that C it's, has it's been on a recent. Whoever KD game. is with is who I'm rolling with. Oh, okay. So you got a favorite player. That's normal, oh, then. Yeah. I think everyone traveled from Cleveland to Miami to <laughs> yeah. Cleveland to LA. Like I, I think everyone went on that journey. So no, that's normal then. I guess that's true. I guess I guess it is yeah. more like a favorite player than it is yeah. you switching teams all the that's time. That's understandable. Renee, do you have a favorite player in the NBA? Oh, man, no. I root for, like, my friends. So, like, the Huskies, you know? So, yesterday, like, I saw Kemba doing his thing. He's getting his legs back under him. And so, I like to see that. Rudy Gay. So, I just, like, yeah, I cheer for, like, the homies. Like, so, when Super Bowl comes up, I'm cheering for Mike Evans because that's the homie. So, (laughs) I go with the friends. Those those are my faves. You know, I I don't know if I've I've ever asked you this, but how about growing up, were there any women basketball players, WNBA players, or collegiate players that you look to as inspiration? No, I I mean, growing up, I looked to, like, D1 schools. Like, that was my inspiration. Like, because when I was younger, there was no such thing as the WNBA. And it sounds crazy because I'm not that old, but it's it's that was the reality. So when I was younger, everything was to get a big D1 scholarship. So that was kind of my thing. So I was watching those rivalry games of Tennessee and UConn, and I was like, that was the goals to get a scholarship. So to me, it wasn't necessarily a person, but it was more so like a thing. Like I'm living in West Virginia. How am I going to get these schools to see me? Yeah. When, when did you start uh, playing basketball? Did you play other sports as a kid too? Yeah, I played other sports. I started around 10 and uh, I started ballet before I started basketball. Um, my whole family did it, so I had to do it. Uh, <laughs> I, it was one of those things where it wasn't an option. Um I ran cross country when I was younger and then I played soccer in high school as well as well as basketball. So, yeah, I mixed in a little bit of other sports. But as we could tell, basketball was the love of my life. So I had to <laughs> roll with that. I got rid of everything else. What, what What is ballet like? How long did you do it? Yeah, it was it was I was so young that I don't really remember it. But I actually think that it, it's helped me tremendously, like in sports. Yeah. Like it's like that thing people talk about where I did it so young, which is great of my parents. Um, And I can tell how it helps me, like just footwork wise and just everything. Like I can feel that that's kind of just innate. And I think that's from ballet young. I can tell. I can tell you as a dad, uh, I, I would much rather go to basketball games than ballet uh, practicing. <laughs> I'm sure. And, and recitals. Sure. So. <laughs> Me too. Then. <laughs> Wait, see. Both of my did, girls did ballet. They did. The, oh, the recitals. <laughs> they tough to get through, bro. I'm telling you. <laughs> yeah, especially if it's not like if the kids ain't with it that night. They not trying to be on cue with everything. It's just like uh, this is where our money is going. Uh, <laughs> that, is, that is hilarious. Is that is that the toughest dad event you've had to sit through? 
Dan Fusados, that's that's a tough. It's a whole weekend too. So, yeah. you know, they may yeah. dance on Friday <laughs> at 8 in the morning, but then you got to be back there Friday night at 11 p.m. to get the awards in. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's a brutal weekend, bro. <laughs> it's a this was, weekend. Renee, before the pandemic, this was like C was just getting used to, like, retired dad <laughs> life where he was, you know, he. I remember the first... You had the week. Was it a cheerleading weekend you it, had? It, it was, yeah. it was no, my, the cheerleading my, competitions are lit now. I'm not going to have any slander yes, on that. The cheerleading competitions are lit. The dancing style, that's two different things. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> hey, right. Shouts to you being a girl dad, though, CC. I love to see it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he he's all about it. R- Renee, I can tell. You, you Because I can tell because he said, look, they're brutal, but he was still there. So that's oh, why yeah. I said, I love to and, see it. So and I, I just, cried all the way through, too. Because see my what first I'm time, saying? We love to see it. Him, so, you know. <laughs> really? You were crying at, at oh, the ballet bro, or the cheerleading? They came out. The, the, oh, the ballet. see? That's oh, what they, I'm talking they, about. They did a, they did a dance together. Uh, oh, Jenny man. and Sai, and they're three years apart. As soon as they ran out on the stage, like I just started boohoo and I couldn't even like record it. My <laughs> wife that. was mad. Like it was, you know, it was my first time seeing them dance. It was fun. No, nah, that's beautiful. See, Renee, don't you love this? This is why I love my 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 podcast co-host because yeah. he, in one sense, is talking about how when he warmed up in the bullpen at Fenway Park. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> then then he's, he's, listen, he's comfortable in his masculinity. We exactly. love to see that as well. So yeah, okay, <laughs> CC. Look, I didn't know a lot about you going into this, CC, but I like it. I like it. <laughs> now, now you know. Renee, how are you enjoying being a part of the Atlanta Hawks broadcast the way that you have oh, this man. season? It's crazy because, like, going into it, I was so excited because I'm like, all right, they want to, this is my job to watch the Hawks Thank you. And we had a crazy offseason as far as free agency. Yeah. And so I'm like, let me find out. We're about to be good this year. And I'm calling the game. So the season is crazy. Like today, we have a game, a back-to-back this week. And I feel like I'm there half of the week. But it really doesn't. It's not as tiring as you would think because it's like that kind of fun job. And I've been having fun on set. Like I really, I talk on air like I'm talking to you guys right now. And so people have been receptive to it. And I just keep it going. Is, is there a lot of prep that you have to do? I mean, obviously, you know yeah. everything about the game, but, like, is there still, like, a lot of prep that you have to put into it? See, I'm one of those people that, like, I like to prepare so that when it's go time, I already know the numbers, and I can be like, yeah, you know, like, so Trey Young is averaging four made three for threes per game. That's a fact. And he's shooting, like, the past five games at a 54% clip. So since I already know that stuff, now I can have fun with it when I'm like, I straight like, and I'm talking on there, like, I can turn up because I already know all the numbers already. So, yeah, I do a lot of prep work. Their team is good, too. I mean, I just yeah. having, having watched the three games that they've had with the Nets thus far that, I mean, every single game has been so intense. And I'm looking at, you know, just the depth. Like, the Hawks are, are 10 deep of legit, high-quality NBA rotation players I, 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 and as we haven't like, had our whole bar. roster. You know, a right. lot of people, we like, we've been hurt the whole year and we actually just played the Lakers. I forgot we played your team, CC, Brooklyn. Yeah. We went toe to toe. We went over yeah. But um, we go toe to toe with like the big teams, which yeah. is very good. You know, there's no moral victories, but I'm an analyst, so I can have the moral victories. The players can't. <laughs> but I think that that's lit because we don't have all of our pieces. We're missing big pieces like Bogey. You know, he's been out so much uh Danilo Gallinari's been out a lot and we still found a way to like get wins be above 500 
And like I said, we went into overtime with the Lakers. I think a lot of people were surprised about that. I think a lot of people were surprised about how we competed with Brooklyn. So I'm not surprised, but I'm glad that people are like, well, wait a minute now. (laughs) Does it give you, Renee, because you're still an active player, like doing doing this gig, does it has your perspective at all changed as far as like the way, you know, you, I don't know the way you look at either broadcast or the way you consume the action as you're watching, how has that shifted since you've been involved uh, in the television broadcast? I think anytime you cover the sport in a different way. So like other than being a player, you kind of see the sport differently. So as I'm breaking down clips and I'm breaking down highlights and even just how I'm seeing like, what they're doing, what sets they're running. It kind of Mm. is like little cues for me. Like, oh, I see what Trey did there. Like, you know, like (laughs) I'm just kind of like mentally noted, Trey. I see you like, but I'm saying it on air, but I'm also like, I like that. Like, that was smart. He did the hostage dribble, held him behind it, throw the oop. And like, then I start to see patterns. So definitely, I think whenever you cover the game in different ways, you see the game in different ways. The thing about, uh, this Hawks team is, you're right, they haven't had all their pieces. They're also super young. And and so yeah. I think it, it's a good young. it's a good time to get on, like, get on what that train time. for the off-season job, With right? I'm about like, to give, give you a Trey Young jersey. <laughs> CC, we got to get you at least a hat. So just in case you want to switch it up, you never yeah. know, okay? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Renee, you know, you, this, uh, this past season, and I know you've mm-hmm. talked about it a ton, I, I watched your TED talk you did, which, by the way, that's cool to do a TED talk, yeah. huh? Like that's like TED talks ain't no joke. Like, no. listen, I, I, I didn't, I, I didn't know if I was that type of scholar. Like that stuff is hard. <laughs> I don't know if people know, but like you're supposed to be off book. And when I say off book, like this is not just. I didn't just go sit there and talk and say that. I hope people know. Like I wrote that, and I yeah. took a lot of time writing that, and then I had to deliver that. So it was. Like, it was one of my prouder moments just because this was different. Like, this was yeah. very different. And, and, you know, for our audience, um, Renee sat out this past WNBA season to continue investing her efforts into social justice and her activism. You've done amazing things in the community, Renee. I know how, I, I know how, uh, how much you were also involved with and championing you know, the more than a vote campaign yeah. as well. Um, and uh, Renee, I'm just wondering, like when when you sit down and you're like, OK, <laughs> I, I'm, I, I want this is what I want people to take from my involvement, my activism. I got a little taste of it in the TED talk, but, you know, our audience may not have heard it yet. So yeah. what what's the what's the key takeaways you want people to have from your involvement and your investment? I think just the making it fail aspect, you know, I talk about it in the TED Talk where when people say, you know, if your voice isn't heard, make it felt. A lot of people thought that that was a negative thing, you know, a negative connotation. They associated it with looting. They associated it with even protesting, but they put it in a negative manner. And so I wanted to kind of flip that and be like, look, I'm making it felt like I'm out here like not only talking about it, but I'm trying to make some actions behind it. And so for me, I wanted to tell everybody like, look, you make it felt your way. That doesn't mean everybody's going to opt out like me. I don't, I don't think that everyone, there's one way to do it. I think that you can make it felt in your community, however way you want to. And I'm going to do what I do here in the A. And so I hope that that's what people get from it. Like I never, I never wanted people to think that I thought all sports should stop. You know, I thought that 
for me, a player that like I'm a passion player, like that's my drive. That's what gets me going. I didn't want to be half in and half out. So for me, the best way to make it felt was, all right, I'm going all in on this and and basketball is going to have to wait. And so that's kind of what I was trying to show by making it felt. And, and, I, and like you said, being an emotional player and a passionate player, um, when I heard that you were sitting out, I was like, man, I, th- I feel like more people are going to, you know, follow that suit. And, and, you know, more people stepped up and, and ended up, you know, making that call. And I know for myself, I wouldn't have been able to sit in the baseball uh, clubhouse last summer with what was going on. You know, right. me having, you know, four kids and, you know, a 17-year-old, a 10-year-old. And, you know, we were out there protesting and doing different things. And, um, you know, it was just important to be around your family and be around. Especially when you look at them and you're like, nah, we got to figure this out for yeah, them. Like, you for know, them. So, yeah, for them. Yeah. It, that, it was just more of... important for me to be home with them that last yep. summer than any other time in their life. Like, with and, everything that was going on, it was just so and important to that point, to Exactly. And to that point for me, so, you know, I'm in a relationship now. So now... I have a 13-year-old that I'm responsible for. And so that's new to me that I have a, a son in-house that is like looking to me and like, oh my goodness, I'm responsible for a whole human. This is crazy. So I know that that had an effect on like how pa- how passionate I was. And I'm a passionate person in the sense of you can just see it. Like when I play, I'm hype, I'm screaming, like that's just me. And so I'm passionate about my family and my son. And so I was looking and I'm like, man, this is like, this is not a good look right now, America. Like we need to do better. You know, I I know how passionate you are, Renee, screaming because you were always one of our favorite players to have mic'd up for our WNBA broadcast. <laughs> yeah, Renee, right. R- Renee brings it. Renee brings it. Those Minnesota Lynx <laughs> playoff games. Like we, I enjoy myself. That. Like that's what yeah. I tell people. Like it doesn't matter if I'm sitting here with y'all, if yeah. I'm sitting on the Hawks set, if I'm playing. And even if I'm not even in the game, like I'm just one of those people that like if I'm going to be here, I'm going to enjoy it. And so that's just how I move. When you made the decision to sit out or opted out, did 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 you get any calls from from any players or people saying it, they they thought that that wasn't a good decision? Actually, no. I mean, they probably said that behind closed doors. You know, they probably was like, <laughs> "Renee tripping, man. Like, she better go get her money." I'm yeah. sure people, you know, had uh, some feelings to say about it. But the call that I got more often than not was other players. You know, and it was interesting because not even just WNBA players, there's a lot of players in even other leagues where they were feeling the concept, but just financially, they just couldn't do it. Like, you know, mm-hmm. it was just because that's, I don't know if people know, but when when you opt out, that means you get zero money. It's not like, oh yeah, you opted out and there's an insurance plan. Like when, when I decided to opt out, I was like, okay, Bills, like we about to just have to figure this out. Like I didn't really have a plan. And so a lot of people just weren't comfortable with that idea of not having a plan. And that's why I said, I don't think that move was for everybody, but I just, like I said, I just kind of took that leap of faith and was like, we're going to see what happens. I love that perspective too, Renee, because I think it's true. You know, it's different for everybody, what works for them, right? And, you know, we obviously saw so many players who, who played, who were incredibly active and involved. We saw you didn't play incredibly active and involved. And we've seen your league for a long time, be at the forefront of social justice. And, you know, obviously, you know, I've seen it firsthand from broadcasting the games for years. You've seen it firsthand from playing the games. It feels like everybody is starting to get yeah. Just how involved the league is. Definitely. How much pride do you take in that? Seeing that all of these women, I think, are really starting to be appreciated now for just how active Definitely. and involved they've been for a long, long time. 
Definitely, Ryan. You've been rocking with women's basketball for a minute. Like now that hey, I think about right. it, like, I'm like, dang, yeah, you've been you've been with us for a minute, and yeah, yeah it's a very prideful moment. I can remember. In 2016, I was a part of that Minnesota Lynx team that wore the shirts that said change starts with us. Yeah. You know, we had Black Lives Matter on it. And this is the summer before Colin took the knee. And mm-hmm. I can just remember, like, it didn't go how we planned. You know, the fans threw a fit. The security, the cops, they walked out on our game. They said, we're not going to be policing y'all if y'all are going to be acting like that. You know, it just didn't. Wow. It didn't go over how we expected, even in, you know, in anticipation that people might not receive it well. Our captains even did a press conference before the game to explain the shirts. We had a a cop shield on our shirts and everything just so people understood this isn't who we're going against. But, you know, at that time, it just was not accepted. Like that type of behavior from athletes was not accepted. People were still in the shut up and dribble phase. So we just got met with like so much resistance. And so when people are talking to me like, how could you be positive and how can you have such an optimistic view? I'm like, do you know in 2016 when we wore those shirts, like people walked out on us. They were writing letters like they were so upset. Like my dad is in the military. I can't believe now I have to choose between you girls and my family. And we were like, no, 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 baby, that is not the choice. But (laughs) now when you fast forward to 2020 and you see the WNBA has a whole season dedicated to social justice, that's progress. And so for me, that's something to be excited about. I know we have a long ways to go and people like kind of get stuck on how far we have to go. But for me, I like to like look at the progress along the way. And I was a part of the 2016 group that saw so much resistance. So fast forward to 2020, it's lit. Like we're we're progressing. You know, what's crazy is that people still want you guys or or us as athletes in that shut up and dribble face. It's just so many people now that don't give a fuck and they're going to say whatever they feel (laughs) now anyway that people, you know, you can't really go against it. But right. if, if if fans had it their way, for the most part, they would want us to just shut up and, and play our of sport. Course. and not have Because then any... they don't have to, then they can only judge us by our sport. Like they don't, then they don't have to make any decisions. They don't have yeah. to be like, well, I like LeBron until he tried to tell everybody mm. to vote. Like, you know, it's like, <laughs> now you're yeah, mad no. because we're, t- you know, like Renee, man, I really liked her, but now she wants to get into politics. So now mm. it has like them torn. So fans don't want to be torn. They just want to, you know, turn on the TV and be like, entertain me and like eat the popcorn. Yeah, it was a, some guy on Instagram was like, yeah, I was a fan of yours and the Yankees until so you start speaking on black issues. Well, I've always been black, sir. And I'm pushing that Yankee uniform in this black skin, cuz. Like, and I'm probably going to go into the Hall of Fame in that Yankee <laughs> with this black skin, cuz. Last so, time that I checked, like, it. come on. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah, talking about, nah. man? Listen, yeah. last, crazy, I always tell people, man. last time that I checked, because it's almost an epiphany for people to see that, like, oh, wow, you are black. Like, yeah. Like, you know, like, when I leave the court, when I get in my car, when I'm walking around the store, there's 100% chance people just see me as, like, a black woman. But when you're on the court, it's, you're Renee Montgomery, the WNBA player, and that's okay. Like, you know, so, listen, Cece, I've been there. I've been there. It, you know, it, it's so interesting, too, just the idea of, of um, you know, people not wanting you to ever leave the confines of the court, right? And yeah. and I think that a couple things have happened here, right? One, athletes now, yourselves included, have built up your own platforms and followings, right? right? And yeah. so you know, you know that you have an engaged and active audience right there for you. You know, you you both have hundreds of thousands of Instagram followers, right? And and in some ways, that obviously has, I think, further helped 
athletes be able to get whatever message out they want, right? The other thing is uh, that I always think about, and I actually, I was having this conversation the other day with Sue Bird, Renee, and it's athletes in a lot of ways are more positioned to have perspectives on culture and global issues than anybody else. You are constantly exposed (laughs) to people from all different walks of life, different countries, different cultures, different races, different religions, and coming together to try and create a common goal, hearing different perspectives. Like if there was ever just one subset of people we were going to take and say, man, (laughs) I'd like to hear what they have to say. For me, it would be athletes. They'd be at the top of the list. And to do you one further, sometimes we're submerged in other cultures. You know, I played overseas for 10 years, you know, and that means that I'm like, so when people are starting to talk about like, oh, in politics and talking about different countries, well, we can almost know the temperature of that country in a sense of we've met a lot of people. We know what that culture accepts, what they don't accept. Oh, I mean, even just in sports and not even just women's basketball there's other cultures in the locker room, you know, and, and Atlanta Hawks, we have other cultures in the locker room. So I don't know why people, you know, I think that there's the stereotype that, you know, the dumb jock, I think mm-hmm. that that's mm-hmm. been like over perpetuated too much to the point to where people believe it. But in the WNBA's case, most of the women there have graduated from a four-year university. They have yeah. degrees. <laughs> These are educated women talking about topics that they are well diverse in. And so I think that that's starting to come through now. I think that how organized the WNBA was this season, how calculated, how like mobilized the WNBA was, people were like, what in the world are these girls? Like they got it together. I mean, not say her campaign. Athletes, not us. We knew that how, how powerful you guys were, but I, I feel Thank like the you. general public for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I just don't think they didn't know. And, and to their defense, I don't think the general public knew much about the WNBA in general. Like, I don't Mm -hmm. think that if we asked them to name five teams names, like, I don't think they could. I think a lot of people, they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, the WNBA, I've heard of that. But they don't know very many players. They don't know storylines of players. They don't know much. So when we just come on the scene and everybody sees the Vote Warnock shirts, now everybody's like on the Internet, like, what are these WNBA players doing? And now they're researching us and like, oh, so I think it's more so of a just discovering us, a lot of people. Let's be honest, too. Y'all got that man elected. Like, it's crazy <laughs> oh, yeah. how effective your campaign was. Like, it is unbelievable oh, man. how Shouts effective your campaign is. Shouts yeah, I mean, to making history. <laughs> it's, cr- it's crazy. I mean, it's unbelievable. But I think, you, I think you're right, Renee. And I even sensed it, like, you know, from us doing, just from a media perspective, right, as a, as a broadcast partner, like the emphasis in our broadcast this summer of like, hey, we want to tell these stories, right? Yeah, and there, there clearly definitely. is, there's a different comfort level, even I think across, you know, broadcast partners and and mainstream media oh, yeah. to to dive into these topics. It used compared- to be taboo, right? Right? Yes, like you yes, almost used yes. to, they used to tell you to kind of skirt around those things. Don't bring oh. it up on air. We know it's happening, but kind of just... Don't bring it up like that kind of thing. Exactly. Like think about even I think it was maybe it was when you guys were playing L.A. the second time. One of the national anthems. You Uh, you guys were in the locker room or something. Yeah, The L.A. left the court and went to the locker room during the national anthem. And it was a big deal. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. And I remember even at that time it was like. 
well, how do you cover it? Like, how how do you cover it? It was just like <laughs> incredible yeah. amount of pressure. And I'm, you know, I, 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 I'm the play-by-play guy sweating. Like, what, what am I going to say? Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah, you're like tossing and, it to Rebecca. Like, here, you handle yeah, it, Rebecca. Exactly. I admit it. Exactly. Exactly. But, but I do think now there is this, it, what what's where I can see the progress is this more like sort of relaxed way yeah. of getting into this. Even thinking about when you guys wore the shirts in 2016, you know, if we were doing oh, that yeah. game, it might've been a real quick, like mention and move on, yeah. you know, like, yeah. and, and, and now we no longer feel that pressure to stay away from those things, you know? No. It, and it's, and, and as players, it's, it feels better for the transparency to be there. And, and a sense of, we wore these whole shirts. We got these whole shirts made, Ryan. And y'all not even going to talk about them. Like, that's the point. That's yeah. why we, we're not wearing them to keep a secret. We could have exactly. worn them in a locker room if we yeah. wanted it to be a secret. But again, that's why I said that was different times. And so when you think about, like, what 2020 did for sports, like, I think that changed everything. You know, like, now athletes, it's understood that it's not okay, it's not just okay for us to speak out. We gonna speak out. Like, we're going to say something. And it's going to be okay because now the social norms are, you can't tell us not to. So it's like things have just really shifted to where it used to be. If you say something, you might lose sponsorships and you might get in trouble by the owners and you might get in trouble by the GMs or your coach. And now it's like, oh, you can't really tell a player not to say something or you're going to be in the shut up and dribble category and you don't want to be there. So mm. and what a time. What you, a you time. Know, <laughs> <laughs> Renee, I, I, um, I, I know that you grew up in West Virginia. Yeah. And if I, if I have my research correct, I believe, you know, You've said in the past that Black History Month was an awkward time for you because yeah. you were the only black kid in the class. And so it was it, it was, you know, just it was uncomfortable. And and I'm just wondering if you could take us back to obviously right now, Black History Month, um, if you could take us back to what it was like growing up in a predominantly white community and how black history was taught at that time and what you were feeling at that time. Well, Black history is still taught the same way it was taught at that time. And it's just like really focused on slavery and really focused on oppression, um, but not focused on the accomplishments and the other mm. parts of history. I think that history, the full historic story is not told in our history books. So if you rewind to, to young me, it was just really uncomfortable because I knew that we were going to learn about another slave that maybe might have done something. And then I knew I just knew the conversation and where it was going to go and what it was going to look like. And so I was looking around at my classmates. You know, I had friends, of course. And so we were the group that I used to get in trouble for talking too much. Imagine that. <laughs> and so I'm, look, I'm looking at my homies like ready to talk. And, and you yeah. know, what we normally do and they're all like, you know, uncomfortable and not mm -hmm. and not wanting to make jokes anymore and not wanting to say anything and they're extra nice. And I'm like, oh, what is this? So it was more so just that uncomfortableness of everyone was walking on eggshells around me because it's Black History Month and surprise, like you said, CC, last time that I checked, I'm black. And so it was just, <laughs> it was just different. It, Man, I couldn't imagine that. Like that had to be like really hard. I mean, obviously, I mean, learning black history in school was hard anyway, because like you said, yeah. it's just, a really messed up view of it, but like just, but being in the classroom and being the only one, like, yeah, that's a weird, that's a weird thing. Like I couldn't even, and it was two different dynamics because like in school, I was the only black kid in the, in the class. And well, at times I was the only black kid in the whole school sometimes, but 
then at home, it was like completely different. It was like the epitome of black excellence in a sense of my parents. So they met in an HBCU. My sister was attending an HCU as I, HBCU as I was growing up. So I was going to homecoming. On one aspect, I was like the only kid in the school. And then on the other aspect, I'm going to homecomings and I see the step shows and I'm like, oh, it's lit. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm like, oh, look at all this black excellence. So I really feel like I got to see like two completely different ends of the spectrums and it helped me, like that's at a young age, it gave me perspective. Like, you know, it helped me see things differently than maybe just what the history books was showing me. You know, it's so interesting you talk about, Renee, the focus on the oppression aspect of things because one of the things that I think CC has done an unbelievable job of educating our audience about uh, and and beyond is the success of the Negro Leagues. You know, like and yeah. see when 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 and we shouts t- to them adding the stats, like what, like come on, I think that was yeah. Right. Yes, exactly. That was huge. That was huge. And and see, you always talk about how, like, you know, you you want people to understand, like, this league, this wasn't some like alternate league. This league was a booming business back then. But you're not necessarily taught that when you're taught about the Negro Leagues you know, as you're kind of like delving through your sports history. Yeah, it's no, almost like they, they make it seem like they came and saved us where we're more so they had to come get it. They had to come integrate the game because we were the better league. You know what yes. I'm saying? Yes, you, I was hoping that a professional <laughs> would have said that because my first thought is a Hank Aaron. Like, you know yeah. what I mean? And, and yeah. rest in peace because we just lost him. But yeah, my Atlanta, first thought is, too. Yeah. yeah, in a yeah. sense of, what he did in the Negro League, he came to to the MLB and did the exact same thing. So it's not yeah. like all of a sudden superstars in one league were mediocre players in another. Superstars in the Negro League became mega stars, like mega stars in MLB. So just to put it in perspective, it wasn't a secondhand league. It wasn't like, you know, the the figure it out league. This was right. talented <laughs> players. And again, just with Hank Aaron passing recently, and hearing all the stories, nine like nine hundred thousand pieces of mail, half of more than half of yeah. them being like hate mail and different things yeah. like that. Like, what are we doing? Like, what were y'all doing? Like, it's like yeah. first you, you know, like what were people yeah. doing that nine hundred thousand? Like, but yeah. even like to listen to the call of when he broke Babe Ruth's record, right? And like he's running the bases, and yep. you hear the announcer goes, "A black man's getting a standing ovation in the deep south." Yeah, like, it was the, shocking. What the fuck are we talking about? Guys? Like, it was shocking like, to them. Was, this yeah, is things that they like, probably yeah. never thought that they would see in it their was, lifetime. It's just so weird and random to hear like the language and talk, about, you know, and that wasn't that yeah. long ago. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, no. Hank like, I can even the pictures record. of people running like with him, like, yeah. and you see that and you think, wow, look at how everyone's acting when he's being celebrated, you mm-hmm. know, but then you see the ugliness behind the closed doors and it's just like. Yeah, so that's a time where athletes, again, couldn't speak out. And so now you fast forward to 2021 and CC, me and you on here talking our talk. Like, we gonna say <laughs> what we gotta say, okay? <laughs> like, hey, hey Aaron, walk so we can run. And like, hey, we are here. For sure. I, uh, I love that. You know, Renee, UNC also have something else in common. Uh, and that is, you both are germaphobes. 
And I, <laughs> yes. and, and, do, do I do I have it right that you that that when COVID yeah. started you were like yeah. it, it, the protests are the first thing that got you out of the building right yeah that was that was the only thing and like so my coach and them people that are my teammates they know like before the pandemic like I'm the one with the mask on in the plane like because it's just gross in there like so I like when the pandemic hit you know there was like people trying to get masks like I already had a whole stockpile I'm like look I knew I knew I was prepared for something because I have like a little bit of a hoarder tendency too. like I can't just buy one of one thing I gotta buy like five so I had like boxes of them and I was looking at everybody in my family like uh-huh what, what what you got to say you need a mask oh you need a mask now because like everybody thought I was crazy beforehand now you need hand sanitizer I was like I got that for days what are you talking about like it was cra- I was I was so ready for the pandemic like I came ready that is amazing. See, we were talking That's about way more day. extreme than me because I, yeah. I didn't have that. No, you are right. But we were saying this the other day, Renee. We were like, I, even after, and I and yeah. I'm so ready to. I'm so ready to be vaccinated. I'm so ready for like yeah, a return to normalcy. I cannot wait. Um, but I think I will always now wear a mask on a plane, like just because I think I think I just welcome, will. Welcome, Ryan. Yeah. Welcome. <laughs> nah, I, I'm, I'm never getting on a plane again without a mask. I'm telling you that right now. Thank like, you. I don't it's just it's just uncomfortable. Uh, like because yeah. I've always had a problem with the neighbor next to me. I don't even know who you are, and if you cough on me, like come on, like uh. people don't have <laughs> etiquette. Like there's no like there's no etiquette anymore. So I just have to prepare myself for what I can do. So you guys are very welcome. I know you like to join bandwagon, CC. So join the mass, join the mass team over here. <laughs> oh, that's great, Re- Renee. I-, I I know you uh you got to run to a Hawks broadcast tonight. We could talk to you forever. You're you're amazing and about a million things. But I'm just wondering right now. Um, yeah. Are you? Are you planning to to play this upcoming season? And what are you involved in right now that you'd like people to know about? I know you also have your podcast, uh, yes. which I believe is called Remotely Renee. Right? You are correct, Ryan. Okay, very good. Um, so, uh, but but what are you involved in right now? And how do you kind of see? Uh, yeah, how do you kind of see things shaping up for you this summer? You know, I, that's why I said I'm playing it by ear, kind of just talking with my agent and figuring it out. But. I'm involved in a lot. I would say the thing that's really coming up soon is on February the 13th, the FCF League launches. And so I've yes. I got, yeah, with, so you being, with Lynch, Marshawn Lynch, right? Yeah, Marshawn yes. Lynch and, and Miro were the team owners of the Beast. So this is different for me, like having like, so. CC, I'm going to tell you right now, you are on Team Beast. We're not doing that switch up stuff. <laughs> Ain't no bandwagon stuff, okay? Yeah. Y'all are Team Beast, but it's it's a different type of feel like when you're from a different, you know, like I'm used to having the players tag. And so having the owners tag, like I'm looking at the season differently. Like, for instance, I was so excited when John, Johnny Manziel like checked into the bubble because I was like, Ooh, okay, let's go sponsorship. Yeah, let's go. You know, like it's a different feel. Like normally I wouldn't really care if Johnny Manziel showed up or not, but I know what he can mean to our league. And so, you know, he's going to come with a lot of eyes and a lot of attention. And so now we got it. And so and, for and, me, it's just different. And Renee, I, I, I want you, if you don't mind, just explaining to our audience yeah. about what your league is. It's the fan-controlled football league, fan correct? Fan-controlled football league. So here's the thing. Everybody knows that sports betting is going, like, blowing up at a crazy rate. And so 
I've been on online. I'm sure you have, CC. The fans think that they could call the game, shoot better than me. They probably think that they can pitch better than you. <laughs> like they probably, you know, they just think that they can do everything. So this league is kind of like, all right, let's see it. Like if you think that you can be a good GM or you can call the plays and be a good coach, like the fans even got to decide if you needed one foot down or two for a catch to be like oh, good sure. or not. So everything is decided by the fans in a sense. There's going to be coaches, but like, for big plays, like the fans can dial it in and there's different things. It's seven on seven, 50 yards. The end zone is nuts with pyrotechs. Like it's like, there's a lot going, it's like basically like last chance you almost in the professional version. So it's really cool to hear the storylines of the players and just everything like this is their chance to be seen. So it makes me kind of feel good that like now players have that shot to get tape and game film and we here, man, it's, it's in Atlanta. So we're, we're here. That's fine. Yeah. That's that's gonna be sick. That's Renee. gonna be crazy. That's yeah, gonna be awesome. I'm excited. Yeah. So, like I said, Team Beast. I'm okay. not playing those switching bandwagon. How, how many teams in the league? How many teams? So in the right league? now, the first season is four teams. The second season is eight. They were planning to have more the first season, but with pandemic and they're bubbling up. So we're bubbling too, by the way. So oh. the whole well, hotel. I, I, I got to see how the roster's looking first before I okay. get <laughs> 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 Wow. Like, you got to just commit. I need a commitment just on faith. Like, okay. I, I got to see how the roster's looking first before I make my commitment. <laughs> he, he, he needs to make sure that Team Beast is going to wow. win some games. Yeah. yeah like, I see. Look, I can respect it. At least you said it to my face because I would have been mad if you just rocked up like you want another squad. And I'm like, wow, really? So at least I know that I don't have you just yet. <laughs> well, Renee, uh, I'm excited for uh, for you with Team Beast. Uh, oh, I know cool. you've been unbelievably involved and active when it comes to, you know, getting people registered to vote and yes. and social justice, activism, um, and continuing to bring awareness on that front. And, you know, you're involved in the Hawks broadcast. You have your podcast. So you're doing it all. All right, uh, Ryan. That's yeah, yeah. enough, Ryan. <laughs> no, you don't have to talk to me yeah. like that, Ryan. We go back. Like, shouts to you doing your thug fizzle in this podcast. Like, y'all Thank killing you. it. Thank you. Thank you. We love doing it. And it's been great having you. Um, and hopefully we get you on again uh, sometime in the near future. But but uh, thank you for uh, for hopping on. And, and uh, we'll, you know, we'll catch you on those Hawks telecasts. All right. Let's go, Beast. I don't want to hear nothing else, Cece. Come on now. <laughs> Later, y'all. Thank you, Renee. Be well. Bye. Thanks a lot. All right, see, well, Renee was terrific, terrific. And, um, and you know, it's funny. We, we were talking about Hank Aaron earlier, but you could tell, you know, for Renee as well and being in Atlanta, you know, the way the loss of Hank uh, resonated with her too. Oh, yeah, I mean, but, you know, everybody down there in Atlanta, I mean, you know, everybody's a Hank Aaron fan, you know, obviously knowing what he, he meant to the Braves and, you know, just to the South period. So, um yeah, I mean, and, and she knew the stats and knew all the things and I saw him running around in the bases and stuff. So, yeah, I mean, Hank Aaron's a giant, man, like you said before. So it's it's uh, he's going to be sorely missed for sure. Well, see, um, we will see who wins our Super Bowl bet. Uh, I either have a, um, you know, uh, an evening of, I almost wonder, should should I make you live tweet an episode of One Tree Hill and I have to oh, live I'm, tweet I'm live Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll do it on the pod. We'll give recaps on the pod. I got the Bucks. C as the Chiefs. 
C has a total of 69 points. I have a total of 61 points. Everybody enjoy uh, your Super Bowl Sunday safely. Um, and uh, we will uh, we'll see everybody again next week. See you next week. Peace.